0: to be here this morning i thank you for having me uh as a well i say a former pastor I'm, I'm between churches right now and and uh, i left my church uh about a month and a half ago six weeks ago five weeks ago and i've been in a pulpit somewhere ever since except for one sunday so i had not got to sit very long but uh it's always nice to have somebody when you get in a bind that you can call up and uh have come preach for you. Uh, I've been in a lot of places, a lot of times, uh, I, I was a pastor at Buffalo Valley in Buffalo Valley, Oklahoma, and if any of y'all know where that's at, it's in the middle of nowhere, and uh, you can't get there from here, and uh, so to speak. But uh, there was never anybody I could call on, so there was a lot of Sundays that I was like Derek. My voice was rough, I had a cold or something, and you just got to go with it, but... Uh, I do thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning I want to turn your attention as the great Martin Lloyd Jones once said or always said he said I want to turn your attention this morning to the book of Romans chapter 8 and we're going to look at one verse uh, chapter or verse 28 of Romans chapter 8 I'll give you a second to get over there uh, I'll introduce my wife uh, my wife Becky's with me this morning Uh She's the one that makes all this work and uh, takes care of me and, and uh, gets me dressed. No, not really. Sounds good anyway, doesn't it? The, I, don't blame her for the green tie. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 says this and we know all things. We know all things work together for good for those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. Would you pray with me and let's ask God to help us this morning. Father, we come to you humbly. We come to this time of the service this morning, Lord, where we break the bread of life. As I stand here before this congregation this morning, I pray, God, that you would set me aside, that you would hide me behind your word. You'd give me the words to speak, and I pray that, Holy Spirit, you would move among us. That you'd open hearts and minds to uh, what your word says. And I pray God most of all in all of this this morning that you'd be glorified and honored. And I ask it in Christ's name. Amen. My favorite passage of scripture uh, for most of my life, or for for most of my saved life, let's put it that way. I didn't get saved till I was 35. And uh, Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5 and 6 always stood out to me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's, that says a lot right there. Don't lean on your own understanding. Did you know that we're flawed this morning? Yeah. Even in our saved condition, we're flawed because we got this old fleshly tent that keeps hanging on us. Trust Him. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. Acknowledge Him in everything that you do. And He'll direct your path. I've tried to live my Christian life by that passage of Scripture. And it's worked out pretty good for me. I can say I've come through it pretty good. But Romans 8, 28, I don't know, several years ago, I preached through Romans chapter 8 and it took me a while, and that verse just kind of jumped out at me. And I think it's slowly becoming one of my favorite verses. It tells me that if I love God, there's an if. There's a, there's a condition tied to it. It says, "If I love God, I have nothing to worry about." Now that's saying something. Anybody in here a warrior? There's some warriors in here. I know there's a, there, there are an ever, ever bunch. But here's where what I really glean from this verse of scripture. It a, it answers that great question that's on everybody's lips at one time or another in their life. Why? Have you ever asked why? I buried a man a few months back, named Dave Otts. And he asked me on his deathbed he had cancer. He asked me why. He said, Why did I come this far in my life and finally find the perfect mate? He'd been married a few times and finally found the perfect mate and got in church and got my life right why I said Dave there is no why there is no why because we have a sovereign God that's in control of everything he runs everything whether we like to not think about that at all or not he takes care of everything he's in control God is in control it's not up to you and I folks we were saved because of him not because of anything that we did if we're saved this morning why? Now, all of us have suffered, and all of us have had tragedy in our lives, and I'll guarantee you that every one of us have asked the question, "Why?" If you answer, if you love God this morning, the answer to that question lies in verse twenty-eight. It's as plain as the day. Ray Ortland wrote this. He said, "The hand of God is at the helm. He's steering us through the storms of life towards home." and towards a safe haven, and He takes care to order all the events of our lives right now to speed us on our way there. God's in control. I'm glad He's in control. This world looks like it's going to you know we're in a handbasket, doesn't it? Can I say hell in here? <laughs> Does it not look like it's going to hell in a handbasket? I want you to know this morning that God Almighty is sitting on His throne. That God Almighty is in control and all these things, the good, the bad, and the ugly, are working out the way He wants it to work out. Regardless of what you and I do. There was a young man in France. His father was a shoemaker. And one day this nine-year-old boy named Louis was playing around his dad's workbench. And the all that they poked a hole in the leather with to make the shoes with, fell off the bench and struck Lewis in the eye. The injury was so severe that it blinded Lewis in both eyes. We know Lewis today. In fact, we're around Lewis and what he did every day. His name was Lewis Braille. And the funny thing about Lewis was that he took that all that struck him and blinded him and scratched out those dots that you see on the elevator buttons in the hospital or wherever you may be. The very thing that took his sight away from him that put him through trial and tribulation in his life, he took it and used it for good. I guarantee you there's not a blind person that doesn't think Louis Braille to this day. You see, God works all things out. For good, for those who love him. Who could forget the words of Joseph in Genesis chapter 50? He said, You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about, as it is this day, to save many people alive. Where would all the blind people today be without Lewis Braille? Where would we be without God? We all need him. Folks, we may never see the reason. We may never know the reason of our trials and our tribulations. But verse 28 should comfort us to know that the God who created everything, the God who saved you, called you out of the darkness into the light, that same God is working all things out for your good. Looks bad sometimes, doesn't it? You think, boy, what's God putting me through now? Trials and tribulations. So let's break this verse of Scripture down. Paul begins with, we know. He says, for we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. The Greek word here means we know without a doubt. We know without a doubt. Folks, we know because God said it. We know because Paul wrote it down under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We know that these are the words Of God. Do you trust God this morning? Do you believe God this morning? Did you know this morning that God can't lie? Did you know that when God makes a covenant with you. He's not going to break it. Even though we might. Did you know that no matter what you do. When God makes that covenant of salvation. That covenant of grace with you. That you're saved for eternity, and nothing you can do can take that away because God promised that He would save you and He would carry you through and nothing can can take that away from you. Not powers, principalities, no person. Once you're saved, folks, you're always saved. You're in His hand. You can't be taken out. You can't break a promise. You see, we need to... We know not by looking at the events of our lives and we... And we focus too much on the temporal because this is all temporal. I was 18 years old yesterday. Amen? How many of y'all were 18 yesterday? Does that not what it feels like? I don't know what 66 years old feels like because I ain't there yet. I'm getting close though. But I know what it was like to be 18. And it seemed just like a vapor. Like James said, it's a vapor. It seemed like yesterday we don't know by looking at the events of our lives but we know by knowing God one of the best books that I ever read outside the Bible was The Attributes of God by A.W. Pink it showed me who God was just like Job you ever read the book of Job? Job didn't know who God was even though he was upright and fine upstanding man God bragged on him remember but he didn't understand who God was. You remember when God started asking him all those questions? Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Where were you when I hung those lights in the skies? All, all, it just went on and on and on. I didn't understand who God was until I read The Attributes of God by A.W. Pink. And I found out who God was, but more importantly, I found out who I was. And it made a big difference in my life. I was like Job. Oh, this morning, there's, folks, there's a lot that we don't know. But for those who love God this morning, we know that He's with us, don't we? Because the Scripture tells us He hadn't left us, He hadn't forgotten us. Jesus said, I'll never leave you or forsake you, even though there are times that it looks like He has. Folks, He cared enough for us that He sent His Son to die for our sins. That's pretty amazing. That the master of the universe, the maker of all things, would send his son to die for a sinner like me. It's amazing. The second thing we see there is all things. I want you to think about that. Consider the comprehensive thought of all things. That means every atom, everything in the universe is working together. And God's in control of them. That piece of dust that's floating around out there 20 gazillion miles away, God knows exactly where it's at. He knows exactly where it belongs. I don't like to use this illustration much, but He knows the number of hairs on your head. My old preacher started using that when I first started losing my hair, and I didn't care much for that. I, uh, I always thought God didn't have to be a brain surgeon to figure out how many hairs on my head. All things. All things work. If we don't know this, here it is. Nothing can stay God's hand. Nothing. Folks, it seems like our nation's going to you know where and to you know where right now. Amen? Amen? It seems like we're in a downfall in this nation. We are in a downfall if you ain't figured it out. I believe we're under the judgment of Almighty God. I believe we're, we're, we're living out before our eyes Romans chapter 1 right now. Go read Romans chapter 1 and see what you think. But I want you to know this morning that all things are subject to Him. Not to what we want. Not to what Joe Biden wants. Not to what Donald Trump wants. All things are subject to God. And he has no limits. You can't limit God. You can't put God in a box. Have you ever tried to put God in a box before? I know y'all's Baptists. Y'all bound to put him in a box before. Huh? Surely. I've been in every church I've ever been to. In some form or fashion, they tried to put a limit on God. They tried, to, they tried to put him in a box and make him what they wanted him to be instead of what he is. It'll never work. You see, he can take the good and the bad and the ugly, and all the suffering that comes with it, and he can make good out of it. Brothers and sisters, even death will be good to those who love the Lord. What did Paul say? It was more joyful for him to go and be with the Lord, but it's better for us if he stayed absent from the body is present with the Lord. I want to tell you something this morning. You may not understand. You may not realize this, but I want to tell you something. Get you, grab hold of something. I'm going to tell you something. There's no such thing as chance and circumstance or luck. This book says so. It says that God is in control and all things are under his control. There's no such thing. Our fate is in the hands of Almighty God. If you're a a brother and sister in Christ this morning, you ought to rejoice in that. If you love Him. Do you love Him this morning? Nothing can separate us from the love of God. The worst sin that you could ever commit will not separate you from the love of God if you belong to Him. Now there's consequences for that. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. If you look over at verse 31... It says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who is against us? Well, we know we've got an enemy, don't we? And he walks around like a roaring lion seeking you may he may devour. But I want you to know this morning that that doesn't mean anything to God because you belong to God this morning. You're His. He's going to take care of you. But you notice that all things work together. It doesn't say that all things come together. It says all things work together. I want you to know this morning God is sitting on His throne right now and He's working all things out. Even the small things. Even the things that last breath you took was a gift from God. We don't ever think about that, do we? Until we're gasping for air somewhere. Amen? Has anyone in here in here ever learned something from a trial or a tribulation? I gotta tell you, the most important things I ever learned in my life came from a trial or a tribulation. You see, I got this gene in my family. My mom's got it, my dad had it. It's called hard headedness. And and for some reason I got that stinking gene from them, and I have to learn things the hard way. Anybody else in here like that? I that's just the way I am. All things work together. That word there for work is sunagero or, or sunergo. It means potential ability to work together in the Greek. That means that the temporal is working together with the eternal, and the natural is working together with the supernatural. If you're a born-again believer here this morning, do you know what you're a supernatural being? Not that you have any special powers or anything. But you have Almighty God living inside you. His name is the Holy Spirit. You're a supernatural being. God is our fellow worker. You remember what Jesus said when He talked about, take up my yoke? Have you ever thought about that before? What's a yoke do? A yoke was one of those big old wooden things that they hung over the necks of an ox and and they'd, they'd put them in a pair and they work together and two could work better than one. I want you to know that this morning if you're a brother or sister in Christ you're, a, you're in a yoke with Jesus Christ. He said, take my yoke. He said, i got one side of it. You take the other side and let's walk together and let's work together. He's carrying us. He's directing us. You ever seen that little cartoon? It's not a cartoon but where there's one footprint in the sand. He said, where, where, where are my footprints? He said, I was carrying you there. I think Jesus sometimes takes our yoke and throws us on His back and carries us in the yoke too a lot of times. God is our fellow worker and He Himself works on our behalf causing all things to work together for good. I like that. Did God not send us a remedy for sin? He did. He, he sent that out. Did that turn out for our good? If you're a born-again believer, I guarantee you ought to shout about that. That worked out for our good, didn't it? I'm told that if you take sodium or chloride separately, it'll kill you. But if you take sodium and chloride together, you're eating salt. It's working together. Apart, danger. there's danger in it. Folks, if we walk away from God, if we get away from God too far, there's danger in that, is there not? Consider this. God takes the sin in our lives and canceled it out for our good. I'm glad He did. Now, what we was going to talk about a while ago, there are natural consequences that are going to be felt for sin. You notice I said natural. There are consequences when we sin, isn't there? Not eternally, because we're, God's children. But it's for our ultimate good that God does away with it. He does away from the sin. Remember, He cast our sins into the ocean, never be seen again. Now what is good? Let's let's talk about that. What is good? Let's start with this. Good is what is good from God's perspective and not what is good from our perspective. The only way that we're going to know what's good is to pick this up and read it and study it. This is, this is what's in there. We needed a, an eternal perspective. Folks, we are focusing too much on the temporal. We're living for now instead of living for eternity. We want, we want to all the bells and whistles of now. Well, I want to tell you something. All that stuff that belongs to you or you belong to right now, It's going to belong to somebody else one of these days. We spend our entire lives on the temporal things when our focus really ought to be out there in eternity. I'm not saying we need to stop living and all become monks and move into the church and live here and Brother Derek feed us all every day. I'm not saying that. But folks, we we need to put more focus on God and the things of God because that's where it's at. It says, God looked and saw everything that He made and proclaimed. He said it was very good in Genesis 1.31. Then what happened? Sin come along. Adam and Eve done their deed, didn't they? And we see the consequences of it. Now there's a common theme where this verse is taken out of context that I want to talk just a little bit about before we move on. I lost my job, but Romans 8.28 says that God has a better one out there for me. Or how about this one? I lost my girlfriend. We broke up, but God says there's somebody out there better for me because that's what Romans 8.28 8, says. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. I get so tired of people taking Scripture out of context, it drives me nuts. It, it drives me nuts to think that, you can read something into a passage of scripture, and 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 by the way, both of those things are materialistic things that I just mentioned there. Both of those examples that I used, there may be a better job out there for you. There may be a better mate out there for you. But don't keep it out. Don't take it out of context, and keep in mind it's God's will and God's purpose ultimately. I always said if God took me out of a job, or if He's taking me out of a church. It's not necessarily that He's going to give me something better down the road. It's this, and He's done with me right there in that situation. we got to look at it that way. Now look at what's next. We see two characteristics of those who... We see the two characteristics there. It says those who love God and those that are called. Let's take those who love God this morning. Notice it does not say those who believe. It does not say those who have made a profession of faith or those who have been baptized or those who are church member. No, Paul says those who love God. He makes a specific point there. And all those things may be good this morning. But Paul draws a line in the sand and he says those who love God. Do you love God this morning? Anybody? You know, what God, you know what love does? The love of God separates us. It separates the professors into the possessors. I know a lot of people that profess to be followers of Jesus Christ this morning. But i got to tell you, their life don't show it. I think there's been a lot of professions of faith this morning and that's all there's been. Jesus talks about those people over in, over in Matthew chapter 7. And I'm beginning to wonder if we're not asking the wrong question. We all tend to ask this question. Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? I think what we ought to be asking is, does Jesus know you? Because if you go over in Matthew chapter 7, long about verse 25, He begins to lay out, all these people, they come and they say, we, we done all these things in your name. We cast out demons. We preached. We done all these things. And he says, Depart from me. I never knew you. Are we asking the right question this morning? Does Jesus know you? The issue is not simply believing, but it's loving. The Bible says that the demons believed and trembled a lot of people that claim they believe. Well, you might say, well, don't all believers love God? Well, let's apply that to God's Word. Turn with me real quickly over to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verses 19 through 24. And we'll see if you love God this morning. John fourteen verse nineteen. I Still hear them pages flipping. I'll give you time. We got all day, right? Isn't Sunday the Sabbath, the day of rest? We're not We're not. We don't have anything to do, right? I think Derek might have said something. I could preach as long as I wanted to. He didn't say that. A little while longer and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live and you will live also. And that day you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it? that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world. And Jesus said to him, If anyone loves me, there it is again, he will keep my word and my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. He does not love me who does not keep my words. And the words which you hear is not mine, but of the Father who sent me. Interesting. Whoever has my commandments... And keeps them. How many know the commandments this morning? How many know the commandments of Jesus this morning? How many of you keep them? Oh, I've come in and stepped on some toes, haven't I? Look at John. Look back a a, a page or so at John 13, verse 14. Get ready Here it comes If I then your Lord And teacher Have washed your feet You also ought to wash One another's feet For I have given you an example That you should do As I have done to you Most assuredly I say to you That no servant is greater Than his master Nor is he who is sent, great, sent Is greater than his, who sent him if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Do you love Jesus enough to wash each other's feet this morning? Oh man. Let's, let's, let's take it a little bit further. Would you, would you allow, do you love God enough this morning to allow me to wash your feet this morning? Do you remember Peter at the Last Supper? You remember what Jesus was doing? He girded the towel and got the basin out and was washing her feet. And Peter said, no, you're not washing my feet. Peter got a scalding out of that. You see, do we love God enough to follow His commands? There's a command. He says, Watch each, wash each other's feet. Are there any feet washers in here this morning? nary one do you love the lord huh walked you right into it didn't i see you got to know the commandments but more importantly you got to be willing to be obedient to those commandments god loves obedience rather than sacrifice we don't like to talk about i don't wash nobody's feet i ain't washing his feet his feet are nasty what if God walked in here? What if Jesus walked through them doors right now and said, I want y'all to wash each other's feet? I bet you, even if Jesus walked in here this morning, some of you say, you ain't washing my feet, Lord. And some of you say, I don't want my feet washed. I'm not worthy. There's not any of us worthy. I'm not talking about, I'm not telling Brother Derek, Brother Derek's not going to start feet washing in the church. Don't. But I thought that was a good example. I thought that was a good example. He who keeps my word. We need to know Christ's commandments and His word before we can keep them. Folks, the last church that I came to, I begged those people to come to Bible study. I fed them for a year on Wednesday night and I'm not talking about feeding them finger foods. I'm talking about cooking them full-blown meals every Wednesday night to get them to come to Bible study, and they would not come to Bible study. Folks, you've got to know the commands of God before you can keep them. And if you love God, you want to know the commands of God. The love of God will always be tied to obedience. Are you obedient to God this morning? The psalmist wrote in Psalms 145.20, he says, The Lord keeps all who love Him but with the wicked He will destroy. Things which eye has not seen and ears not heard and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love Him. God so loved the world that He gave. Have we gave? Do we give? Can you say this morning honestly that you love Him? Next, we see those that are called according to His purpose. I'm I'm working on getting done here. Those who love God describes the reader from the human side. And those who are called describes them from the divine side. Your calling didn't come from the preacher. Your calling didn't come from the church. It didn't didn't come from you. It came from God Almighty. No man comes to the Father unless he first be drawn, John 6.44 says. Notice that the call and the purpose are mentioned together. The call are those who are invited. I want you to think for a minute how big a deal it is that you were invited to be a child of God. The master of the universe, the maker of the universe, invited you. To those who love God, you should feel pretty special today. He invited you. He called you out. He he set you aside. He made you His child if you're a born-again believer here this morning. Not because you deserved it, but because He simply chose to do it. We need to understand that. Let me tell you this morning, if God has called you, it's an effectual call. Now I know Brother Derek used one of my famous sayings a few weeks ago. And I'm going to use it again this morning. He told me He gave me credit for it. But I want to tell you this morning, if He is what you was, you ain't. I want you to think about that. When God Almighty gets a hold of you, there's going to be a change in your life. There's going to be a difference in your life. It's an effectual calling. That calling calls you out of darkness into the light and it has an effect on your life. You will not, you cannot be the same. If you is what you was, you ain't. If you're the same person that you was before you made a profession of faith, walked the aisle and said a prayer and got baptized and put on the church roll, I would question your salvation this morning. Because I'm going to tell you from experience, when God gets a hold of you, He changes you. I used to be the most rotten scoundrel there ever was. I used to cuss like three sailors. I hope there ain't no sailors in here this morning. Listen, I was a bad dude. And God got a hold of me and changed me. He almost immediately took some some things away from me, some things He's still trying to knock the rough edges off of. He's going to do it. Your life will be different if He's called you. If it's not, you need to be looking at that. There's a general call to all men. But few find the narrow way, Jesus says. They find the narrow, they, they don't find the narrow gate. It's hard to find. The effectual call is an eternal call. It's a calling in here, not on the outside. Folks, we can all say things, we can make professions of faith. We can do we can do church work, all those type of things. But I'll point you back to Matthew seven and those people that said they'd done all these things in the name of Jesus. See, many have answered the external call that leads to the broad way of destruction. It's gotta be in here. He's got to have changed your heart. Don't be deceived this morning. You've got to be born of the Spirit. You've got to be born again. And unless we all that have been called by an effectual call get puffed up, I want you to remind you this morning that every bit of it is of grace we got nothing to brag about. But notice there it's according to His purpose, and I'm about done. Purpose means a plan in advance. Did you know that your name was written in the Book of Lamb's Book of Life before the foundation of the world? Before you ever had a chance to do anything good, before, before you ever had a chance to, to make yourself think that I, I can save myself, God wrote your name in the Lamb's Book of Life before the foundation of the world. That blows my mind. I can't fathom that. Purpose means a plan in advance. God has two purposes here. Our good and His glory. What are we here for? We're here for one purpose on this earth and it ain't to make a bunch of money and gather up a bunch of things and make us happy. We're here to glorify God. That's what we're here for. I want to tell you this morning that God's purposes are going to succeed. Job said that I know that thou can do all things and that no purpose of thine can be thwarted. He can do all things. Yes, folks, God is in control this morning. He always will be, always has been. And He works all things, the good, the bad, and the ugly, for good to bring about His purposes. He does that for those who love Him. And sometimes He breaks us when He loves us. Vance Havner, one of my favorite old preachers, he wrote this. He said, God uses broken things. It takes broken ground to produce a crop, broken clouds to give rain, and broken grain to give bread, broken bread to give strength. It is the broken alabaster box that gives forth its perfume. It is Peter weeping bitterly Who returns with a greater power than ever? Broken. Folks, God will break your heart. He'll break your heart for His purpose and for His glory. Has He called you this morning? But more importantly, do you love Him? I think those are things that we need to ask ourselves. Does He control your life? Or do you control it? Consider Romans 8.28 today. Brother...